Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. I'm going to get the message going here. And again, we began a series last week on stewardship. And we talked last week about being stewards of the faith. And today we're going to talk about being stewards of God's finances. Yay, preacher. Thank you. What a blessing. Amen. I'm so glad I came today. Of all the Sundays in the 2012 year, I came today. Yes, you did. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> it, it'll be, I think it'll be pretty painless. I really do. I, I think it'll be fairly painless. We don't have much time to cover things, so, you know, you only have so much time, and we only really are hoping to spend one week on this, so we've got to move quickly today. So I think it'll be kind of like just getting your teeth cleaned, not drilled. <laughs> All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Let's go ahead and get things moving along here. The Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Again, we noted 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1, and it kind of helped us, helps us to define what that word steward means. And we read that David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king. And his sons with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Again, we took that phrase as it says, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king. What we find is ultimately that a steward has nothing that he really calls his own. He simply manages or cares for the things of his king. The substance and the possession of the king become his responsibility. Joseph, we said, was a perfect or prime example of such a one. As he's ultimately cast into the pit, taken on into Egypt, he finds himself in the presence of Potiphar and his home. There Potiphar begins to express, and uh, should I say extend to him, the rights of running the household. Joseph has care, watch care over all the possessions and the substance of Potiphar's house. Everything but his wife was at Joseph's disposal. He was to run it, to manage it. He was simply a steward of Potiphar's things. And what we find is that as believers, God is the Creator. He owns all things and He extends to us or He allows us to manage some things for Him. I mean, they're really His. He's our King and it's His substance and His possessions that we manage We're simply stewards of God's possessions. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we lose sight of that. And we have an idea to, although we have a right, I believe, to say, those are my children, that's my money, that's my house, that's my car. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think that as a believer, we need to be very aware that in reality, they are God's children, God's house, it's God's car, God's health. It's all God's. We're simply stewards of it. His possessions, His things. 
And so we note this aspect of stewardship. And we noted that as believers, we are simply stewards. And the Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The one requirement that is expressed and the one requirement that stands above all others is that we as stewards are faithful with God's possessions. That we understand that He is the King and that we simply are overseeing His substance and His possessions, and that we do it faithfully. Last week we talked about being stewards of God's faith, or of the faith. We spent some time addressing that and dealing with it. Today I do, as I mentioned already, want to address this issue of stewards of God's finances. What we're saying then is that we want to be faithful with God's finances. We want to be faithful with God's possessions, His things. I, in my wallet today, I get my weekly allowance and I got it yesterday or, and I have $8 left. So if you jump me outside of the church, realize that you're only going to get eight bucks. That's all there is to it. It's all that's left. But can I tell you something? Whether it's eight dollars, whether it's eighty dollars, whether it's eight hundred, eight thousand, eighty thousand, whether it's eight hundred thousand, eight million, whether it's eighty million. 800 million or 8 billion. You could go on infinitesimally. Infinitesimally, I think that's the word. It's still his. I'm just as responsible to spend that $8 faithfully for God's glory as I am with that 800,000 if I would happen to have it. Or that 8 million. It doesn't matter how large or how small. It's equally God's. And I think we miss that sometimes. You know how it is. You walk through Mark's. You go through that one section. they got all those things there. Man, is it hard not to spend a few bucks. they got some cool things there. No, I'm not talking about the food and all that. That stuff's going up in price. I'm not real impressed with Mark's. Am I allowed to say that? Is there any workers here with Mark's here? But I, I used to love to buy food and chips and all that stuff there, but I don't think their prices are much better than anybody else's. But hold on. They got cool things. We got to admit, in that one corner, there's a lot of cool things. You walk through there and, man, I tell you, I'm tempted. I'm like, oh, man, that's only $2.38. You know, that's a cool picture frame, man. I've never seen one like that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You see things. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's easy. I got, I got eight bucks. Let's see, I just, this, it only has to last me till Thursday. I, could, I can buy, I, you know, it's easy to pull a couple bucks out if I'm not careful and spend it and not really think much of it. You know what I mean? Hold on, wait a second. But when I, I really understand and I really grasp this concept of being a steward of God's finances, all of a sudden I realize, Lord, how is that going to enable me to better serve you or impact this world for your, your cause? How, how's that going to help me? 
He said, well, I'm going to put a picture of my family in there, and that's good. Maybe that would be a blessing because it's always good. Your kids need to see themselves up on the walls, maybe. That's an encouragement. That, they, that encourages them to say, Mom and Dad care. They, they're proud of me. So, yeah, that could be a good use of the money. Don't misunderstand me. But do we think for a moment, before we spend money, whether it's a couple dollars or whether it's a hundred dollars or a thousand, do we actually ask ourselves, is this something that God would want me to spend this on? Some of your husbands, ladies, would probably say, no, no, that wasn't something God told her to spend that money on. We have about 12 of those frames packed away downstairs. And each one of them was $2.38. And gentlemen, your wives may say, no, no, God didn't tell him to do that because he's already got three of those and he doesn't use any of them now. You know where I'm going. You know what I'm talking about. We do have a tendency at times to forget whose money it is, whose things they are. When you was a kid, remember how it was when you sat down at the, the table and you ate your dinner? Remember how it was when we were growing up, maybe you're my generation or maybe a little older, and your parents would say things to you like, now you eat everything. Do you realize that right there, there are kids in China that would kill to have that? There are people starving around the world. Would be glad to have that. That's on your plate now. Remember all that? Remember that? And used to think, oh, great. But you know what? Our parents understood some things that maybe we've kind of grown a little cold to. That we need to appreciate everything we have. And understand that it's all valuable. That there's nothing really we should just throw away. But we live in a throwaway culture, don't we? I mean, we throw watches away. I mean, you make them, you know, they're not that made that well. You have it for a couple of years, you throw it away. Used to be you had a watch, you kept it a lifetime. You passed it on to your children. They passed it on to theirs. And it was an heirloom almost. I mean, everything was something that was passed on. The, I mean, the washer lasted forever. And if you wanted a new one, you never got it because the old one wouldn't break. And now if you're lucky to get four or five years out of one, you're jumping up and down for joy. A throwaway society. Sadly enough, we treat our relationships in the same way we treat our property these days. Kind of just throw things away, people away even, if we're not careful. Because in a sense, we always know it's something else. We can always get more. We live in a culture and a society where we have so much that it makes it easy to squander it, to throw it away, to do without it. You know, just, I don't need that. I'll get a new one. Isn't that really kind of true? At least it is. I know in my own life I find myself not so concerned about certain things because I'll just get a new one. Well, listen, when, when we start to take the perspective and we start to understand that it's really not my car, it's really not my family, it's really not my house, it's really not my church, it's really not, it's God's. All of a sudden it takes a different perspective. All of a sudden I start to say, well, wait a second. I'm just a steward over your substance and over your possessions, King Jesus. I'm to wisely handle that, those finances. I'm to wisely handle my possessions because they're really yours, entrusted to me as a steward. And I want to be found faithful in handling them. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 
We're stewards of God's finances. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, today in these next couple of minutes, we would just be more aware of that reality. Thank you, Father, for the privilege it is to be your child. Lord, there may be some in this room that are not born again, that have yet to accept and receive Christ into their life. They may know about him, but they don't have a personal relationship with him. Lord, they can settle that before they leave today. For we, if we do indeed know you, may we be very aware that, Father, what we possess or what we call our own has really simply been entrusted to us. And as your children, even as our body's not our own, the things that we possess are not really ours. They're yours, and we're simply stewards of them. Lord, that'll, liber- that'll truly transform our thinking if we can grab a hold of that truth. It'll, it'll really change our, our outlook and how we approach our finances and how we handle our possessions. May we be very aware that, Father, you are our king and we are simply stewards of your possessions and substance. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Finances are probably one of the greatest areas of stress and dissatisfaction in our culture today. You know, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter 4, he said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Let's be honest. If there's an area where God's people aren't content today, it's with money, finances. We bought into the same lies that the world has, that somehow finances or money will solve all of our problems. The truth is, is that even we as a church, as we embark on this tremendous undertaking to move our ministries from this location to the Carousel Dinner Theater or the Old Theater, money is not our biggest concern. Contrary to what you may think, whether or not the point being is we don't have it or not isn't the issue, which we don't yet. But the fact is, is that I'm not as greatly concerned about the finances as I am about the spiritual heartbeat of Community Baptist Temple. There are so many other things that are much more important than the bottom line. And yet it seems today to me that in our own lives as believers, if we're not careful, everything revolves around our finances. Everything revolves around our material comfort. If I have a nice house, then I'm happy. If I have money in the bank, I'm happy. If my car is running and it's, it, it's to the level of others, at least, so that I don't look bad, I'm happy. I mean, everything's about how I appear, how I look, how I feel, and money seems to be the answer to all of those problems. I think that as believers, we have truly been inundated and influenced by the attitude of the world concerning finances. I'm not opposed to money. Matter of fact, Green goes with every suit I have. But it doesn't mean that without it, I'm not complete and whole. I watch this in lives. Money seems to totally and completely consume people's thoughts and outlooks. They even come to somehow believe that they they tie their own self-worth 
to their ability to provide or their ability to acquire. Gentlemen, there's no doubt that biblically we have been instructed to care and to provide for family. That is one of the provisions we are to provide for. As we will see here in the the near future, we're going to note that there's two other aspects or groups we're to provide for. However, the means by which you provide for your family does not determine how valuable you are as a human being. Sadly enough, men have been bought into this lie. And unfortunately, women have now. And women that choose to stay home with their children or to be a stay-home mom are made to believe somehow that they are not contributing to the family. Well, that's not true either. Sadly, again, we have embraced a world philosophy concerning finances. And yet, in our world, people are literally killing themselves because of the stress and the expectations that finances bring in their life. And sadly, even more sadly, the church seems to be just as stressed and just as dissatisfied often with the same area of finances. If there is a greater root of unhappiness in our culture today, it would be, we would be hard-pressed, I believe, to find it. A person says, well, it's relationships. Well, what I find is that relationships that are under the stress of finances often end in failure. So money, even more than a few other areas that we as adults understand, is more often the cause of marital breakdown than even those usually. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. But if you show me a couple that doesn't have money, if they're not both grounded and rooted biblically and scripturally and have the proper spiritual outlook, there is trouble in the home because there is discontentment. And it ultimately will lead to worse problems. Again, God addresses finances. We could spend weeks discussing finances because God truly spends a lot of time in His Word discussing them. As a matter of fact, God spends more time talking about money than He does about hell. Isn't that an amazing thought? I mean, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and yet He spends more time expressing His views on money, how to use it, how to deal with it, than he does on hell itself. The very thing he came to deliver people from. God knew that finances would be important to us. And they are, aren't they? I don't care how much love a couple has, it won't feed them. So money is important. It doesn't matter how Many children God gives you. You're going to need money to provide or to meet needs. So money's important. But it seems to me that even the church today is so paralyzed by fear in this area. I heard this statement by Vance Havner. He said, worry like a rocking chair will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Boy, we worry a lot about things we really don't control often, do we? 
When's the last time you were so worried about money that it just appeared? <laughs> it never happened. I can't, I don't know where we're going to get the money to pay this bill. Oh, well, that fixed it. I just, there it is, right there on the coffee table. <laughs> if I'd only worried sooner. That's not how it is, is it? It doesn't work that way. Finances are an area that every Christian will war with. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, we are quite prone to fail at. So this morning, I want to address a few vital areas of stewardship concerning finances. And I want to attempt to address just three areas. Now, I've got a feeling I'm not going to get through it all. Whatever we get through, we get through. So I, but, I, but I made up my mind. I made up my mind. Here's what I made up my mind, even this morning as I was in here. I was in here at 6.30 this morning praying. I made up my mind at 6.30 this morning as I was praying. All I want to do is be a blessing to you. I don't want to harm anybody. I just want to encourage people today. We serve such a wonderful God. He's so big. He's so able. And I want you to know today that there's not one obstacle in your life that God can't help you overcome. You know what? This area of finances is like any other. It's just another thing that we've got to have God's help with. And so let's try to understand a few basic tenets. Number one, the basic tenets. First of all, we notice the source of all blessing. We've already touched on it. In Genesis 1-1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Aren't you glad God created it and not us? I mean, you think about that. Can you imagine if I was the creator? I wonder how long-suffering I would be toward people. I wonder how much grace I would extend to people. You know what I mean? Praise the Lord. I'm glad that God is who He is. And the Bible says that He created the heaven and the earth. That means He created all things. And therefore, as we mentioned, everything that we really possess is whose? His. And I know we don't like that because it goes against the grain. I mean, I work hard for what I get. I have... Busted my tail to make this happen. You know what I'm talking about. I worked hard to provide this home. I put in the time to earn that car over there. That's mine. You don't know why people get really upset at preachers when they talk about money? Because preachers are talking about money as though it's God's. And you're looking at it as though it's yours. Now, now, may I qualify that too? Not all preachers see things like that. And then it becomes a real problem because now they're hypocritical because they're telling you to do what they really resent doing themselves then. I, I, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I, I, I don't have a problem giving to God's work. Because in the long run, every time God gives me something, it's always something I feel I don't deserve anyway. Now, I'm not saying that as a means to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it's a perspective that I believe is a biblical perspective. And I think that as believers, if we could really embrace that and mean it with our heart, all of a sudden, everything is no problem. If God wants something from me, I say, well, sure, it's yours anyway. Go ahead. It's kind of like giving a little kid five suckers, and then you go back up to him and say, oh, by the way, could I have one of those suckers back? Because I really, I really wanted to keep one, and I forgot, and I end up giving you all five. And he says... Listen, and years ago he would have said, sure. There you, I mean, I wouldn't have them if it wasn't for you, right? 
They're yours really anyway. Here, go ahead. I wouldn't have any if it wasn't for you giving them to me. Nowadays, kids would <laughs> They're mine! You gave them to me! You know? And I'm going to give you something else, kid! <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, you may not say that, but you think it. Now, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, you give them the five suckers, and, and, and if, if they got the right perspective, they're like, oh, sure, you just gave those to me a minute ago. Go ahead, here. Well, guess what? That's how I feel. And that's how every believer ought to feel. Oh, you, you want, oh, by all means, you can have that. It's yours anyway. That's all I'm saying is perspective. See, God, He's the source of all blessing. He says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. See, it's all God. So we're simply stewards of the many blessings He's bestowed upon us. That's the first thing we see under basic tenets is the source of blessing. But then we also note B, the sorrow of riches. You've got to understand this. This is important. Young people, you can't miss this one. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Wow. Man, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's a biggie right there. I mean, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Would we agree that the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich? Oh, I don't know that you believe that. Because you, you know what you believe richness is? Money. Money. <laughs> Money. That's what, hey, that's what believers have been mis, that's what believers have been lied about to that causes them to never be grateful to God sometimes. They somehow believe that blessing's all about Money. But that's not true. Read the Bible and you realize God's so good to us. By the way, you're seated here today. Do you know there's people that couldn't be here because they don't have the health to be here? Last I checked, that is a blessing of God. You know what? Some of you have a wife or a husband today. They may or may not be in the room today even. You have a wife or a husband. Guess what? That's blessing. You say, not if you were married to my wife, it wouldn't be. <laughs> maybe, maybe I would second guess it too, but the fact is, is that you at least have one. Some would give their right arm to have someone called their wife or husband. I'm not trying to be coy and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm serious that the blessings of God come in many shapes and sizes and green is only one color. There are scores of people who seem to have the world by the tail, but they're really just holding on for life. Whitney Houston sold more than 170 million albums singles and videos, making her one of the world's best-selling artists. She was America's darling just 25 years ago. But all that changed. Her fame, her fortune, 
It didn't bring her happiness. Sadly enough, many believers think that if I could only get more of what she had, I would be happy. Instead of the fame and the fortune bringing happiness to Whitney Houston, it subtly led her into a surreal life of drugs, immorality, irresponsibility, and ultimately self-destruction. Listen to me. Nobody takes pleasure in what happened to her. God help us to understand there are young people in this room today that if they're not careful will end up the same way. We... None of us are prone to that happening in our life. We're one bad decision away from that. An article covering her funeral made this statement. It said, The service for the 48-year-old, six-time Grammy Award winner and actress took, a week, uh, took place a week after she was found unresponsive in a bathtub at a Beverly Hilton hotel in California. Isn't that sad? A beautiful young lady with what some would say was the most phenomenal voice of our time. Money, fame, fortune did not bring happiness. And sadly enough, as parents, if we're not careful, we raise our children to believe if they can only get, have, or earn a good career make good money, have nice things, they'll be happy. When will we learn from the world that that's not what brings true happiness, contentment, and joy? People would say, well, you make a good living. It's easy for you to say, you drive a Cadillac. I was just waiting to see if I had time to retort. (laughs) Do you think that I always had my $9,000 Cadillac? That's what I paid for it. Do you think that I always had that? Do you think I always made good money? See, I'm no different than you. We're all in the same boat in this. Everybody is. Money never brought me happiness, and it will never bring you happiness. That's a biblical principle. Go ahead, have all the money you want, but have a wife that's cantankerous. Have a husband that's not trustworthy. Your money means nothing all of a sudden. Am I right? Go ahead, have all the money in the world, and God forbid, find out that one of your children has a terminal disease. Your money will mean nothing. Or find yourself on that same bed and ask yourself, do I care how much I got in my bank account right now? 
outside of the fact that you say it may provide for you an opportunity to see better doctors or have other options, outside of that, that money means nothing to you at that point in your life. I'm not trying to downplay the importance of money. It is so important. There's no doubt that it has a place in our culture, our society, in our lives as believers. But hold on a second. The truth is, is that God is the source of all blessing and that truly there is a sorrow that comes with riches. Temptations abound with finances and money. The abundance thereof, I should say. In 1 Timothy 6, 6-10, we're warned, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Then say money is. The love of it is. While some... While, uh, excuse me, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The, the, the picture is almost like I'm on a lifelong pursuit to acquire this goal of finances. To reach a certain place in my 401k, to finally acquire a certain level of financial stability... And I sell out my life. I give my time. By the way, anytime you equate money, you have to equal it with time. There's money and time are inseparable. They're inseparable. You say, I just want to have a house. Well, that takes money, which means you have to work. Therefore, what you're saying is I'm willing to spend my time to ultimately own that possession. So you are giving something or someone up in order to possess something or some, someone else. So that's always a trade-off in your life. But it's as though we've pursued this goal to reach this level, and all of a sudden we get to a place in our life where, just like that, we realize it's been futile. You know, kind of like that stock market crash a few years back, where people had literally saved their money their whole life long so they could retire only to find out that they lost over half of it within a mere few hours. Oh, I know we're rebuilding now. It's starting to come back. It's taking time, but it has never gotten back to where it was. And now you have no opportunity to save like you used to because there's no interest out there. I mean, you got a 401k? If you're getting three or more percent, let me know where. I'd really be interested. You get where I'm going. It pierces you through because all your hopes are dashed. You realize at some point that the money or the material things did not bring the satisfaction you had always anticipated and hoped it would. If I could move into a little larger home right now, paying the same amount of money that I'm paying or even a good, good pay, I would do it probably right now. I have reasons for that. I don't want to go into them here. I would probably do that. But you know what I'm finding? When I look at another house, because the economy is so bad, I could probably get a real nice house for not very much money. 
150 grand, I could probably get a house that's almost oh, 250 or more. The only problem is you've got to pay taxes. Every time I turn around, somebody wants more money. And if I'm not careful, I think if I could only get more of it, I'll be happier. Doesn't work. Do you know that I'm just as happy today in my home? Or should I say, I'm no more happy today in the home I'm in than I was in a two-bedroom apartment with my four children? I'm just not. I'm no happier. Do you know that I really don't have anything more now than I had back when I was making $200 a week gross in the ministry full-time with all my children? I had as much then as I have now. I had a car that ran. I had a house to stay in. I had a beautiful, wonderful wife that loved me. I had children that adored me and still do. <laughs> you hurt me when you doubt me like that. It's... The source of all blessing, God. The sorrow of riches. Have you ever had your hopes dashed? You thought something was going to really pan out. You poured your life into it. You gave your time. You made some primitive sacrifices even. And it didn't turn out the way you thought. And you thought, man, I wasted so much time pursuing this. And it never, never brought the joy I thought it would. That's how finances are often. If there are pursuit, if it's the love of money that we really that drives us, we are in for a world of hurts. First Timothy six tells us. Finally, let me tell you or talk to you, and by the way, this is the first point of a three point message that really would take at least four four Sundays probably. But I just want to share these thoughts. I just want to encourage you today and, and help you to realize here's what I want you to realize. What you have is enough. To be happy. You say, you don't know what I... It's not what I have that bothers me. It's what I don't have. What you have is enough for you to be happy. You say, my job is shaky. My bills are... I mean, I'm, I'm on the edge all the time. I know. It's not easy now. But you don't have to be miserable you can still feel blessed and grateful to God. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but you can enjoy life and be blessed in spite of it. Focus on the reality that what we have is enough to be happy. Finally, the street of desire. We saw the source of all blessing. We saw the sorrow of riches. But let's look at the street of desire now. Again, we're focusing primarily on just our attitude today toward finances. Look in Matthew chapter 6, would you? Verse 21. A tremendous verse as we close this down. It's a great verse. It's one that causes me often to reflect in my own motivation, I guess I would say. You know, can I be as transparent as I can be? The more that I have the more tempted I am to think that that's more important. Can, can I be honest with you? See, the more that God blesses me with financially and possession-wise, it just seems to me that the more I become dependent upon it for happiness. 
I can't explain that. Maybe you're not like that, but I am. You know, the other day I was teasing my wife, and I said, man, now that I've driven around that Cadillac, I'm never going back. And she said, well, you might be surprised. You may have to go back. (laughs) And I said, man, I've been spoiled, though. It's awesome. It's like driving down the road in my bed. I love it. Every time I get in my car, I thank God for it, because I know he's the one who gave it to me. I know he did. Do you know that the man that, that turned that into the dealership bought a brand new van because he couldn't get in and out of the seat of that car because he was getting older and his, his body just wasn't responding as it used to? Do you realize that man died one month later? Listen, you may not think anything of that, but I think that God had him come in and turn that car in for me. Now, again, you may not think that, but I'm convinced that God cares about me. Man, I'm just convinced that He allowed that to happen. I think that God knew that this was going to happen anyway. I think it had nothing to do with me. His his passing had nothing to do with me. But that fact is, is that God made sure that car got turned in a month ahead of time so that I could be driving around in it today doing the work of God in the very car that He had. And who knows, maybe He'll even get a reward here and there for it. I don't know. I'm thrilled to death to think of what God does, but hold on. I'm also, sometimes there's a conflict in my life. Because now that I've tasted some good things, sometimes I feel that maybe those are what will bring me happiness. Matthew 6.21, here it is. The street of desire is important. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What it says is basically this. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. Here's the question I have for you then. Where is your greatest investment? What is your greatest investment? Now, do not misunderstand this. We get the idea that there are things that are good, better, and best. See, I'm convinced that you can only invest in one of two things. God or the devil. Now, don't misunderstand me. You say, whoa, 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 wait a second. Hey, hold on. Let me ask you something. Who ordained marriage? God did. So, so let's be honest. When I invest in my marriage, I'm really investing in the things of God, am I? Now, oh, hold on. I've got to be careful now that I don't make my wife my God, obviously. And she's got to be careful she don't make me her God, and that's really hard for her. <laughs> there you go again, laughing at me. I... But the reality is, is that I need to be investing in the things of God that He says that are a priority in my life or should be. I'm to be investing in things that please God and that ultimately exalt Christ. See, wherever your greatest investment lies, that's where your heart is. And God said what? That we're to love Him with all of our what? Heart. 
Let me ask you, are you the one being served by your money and your possessions? Or is God the one being served by them? That's a question that every believer needs to answer. I mean, that beautiful car that God gave me, am I using it for Him? Or am I using it for me? That beautiful wife God gave me, am I using her for Him? Or for me, in a sense? Those children that God gave me and has entrusted into my watch, am I using them for Him? Or for me? Who is really the one glorified in this process? Look at my kids. I'm a good dad. Oh, it's all about you. You you understand? But then when your child grows a little older and says, I feel like God's calling me to the mission field or into the ministry, and you say, but you can't make a good living in the ministry and you'll never really amount to anything in the mission field. You need to stay home and go to college and get a degree and get an occupation that will provide some wealth and some stability and some security. Oh, so it's never been about God at all, has it? It's always been about me. Well, I know I'm trying to bring things down to where it really hits, but that's what I'm concerned about today. When we look at this thing, I mean, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. What is most valuable to us? What does... Before you purchased your home or your car, did the thought cross your mind right off the bat, boy, if I had this car, this house, would that make me more effective for God? I mean, did your recent purchases promise that others would recognize you as being successful or having arrived? Or did you see them as an opportunity to glorify God? You say, well, I really never thought of it either way. That's my point today, and that's all I want you to start to think about. I want you to understand that every decision we make concerning our finances, everything we use them for, and everything that we invest them in needs to be thought through through the filter of God's Word. And we need to say, ultimately, my purpose as a believer is to bring glory and honor to God. And that means that with everything He's entrusted to me, I need to bring glory and honor to Him with it and through it. I don't want my kids to just lift me up and to exalt me. I want them to exalt Christ. I don't want just a relationship that appears to the world to be wonderful. I want it to appear to the world to be wonderful so that they can ultimately say, it was God that put them together and God that keeps them together. I want every decision I make, whether it be financial or for the prosperity or for material things, to always be run through this filter that says, God, do I need this? And if I do, how will it better glorify you? I mean, when's the last time you used that wonderful car to pick someone up and bring them to God's house? I would never let some of the people ride my car that come to this church. Oh, I see. So the car wasn't purchased for God's glory. It was purchased for yours. You get it? God help us 
to understand that it's all His anyway. That every decision we make ought to be, God, will this bring glory to You? Will it ultimately magnify You? Because, Lord, I don't want anything to draw my heart away from You. Boy, treasures. You've got to be careful with them. So careful. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I wonder today, are you saved? Do you know for sure heaven's your home? None of this makes any sense to you probably if you don't know Christ. And understandably so. That, I, I would be right where you're at today. I would be like... Maybe you're much wiser than I am, though, and maybe even now you see that sometimes finances aren't really the way to go, that they don't bring true happiness and joy. So you're further ahead than I would be, probably. But let me just ask you, if you died today, do you know 100% sure where you'd spend eternity? Are you saved? For sure. Without a doubt, on your way to heaven. You can know that today. His Word promises you can. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Well, today in writing, it's here before us. You can see it for yourself. You can make that decision and you can settle where your eternal destination will be. Today you can settle it. And as believers, let us be very aware that we're simply stewards of God's finances. And filter every decision through His Word, asking, is it God that truly will receive the glory for this decision I make? Or is it going to just glorify me? Father, we thank You now for this time together. Bless us in these next moments. In Christ's name, Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, even before the music begins to play, if God speaks to your heart, you come. We're not going to stay open long today. We're moving quickly. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, preacher. Why don't you just step out to the closest aisle, come see me. Let the Holy Spirit of God do His work in your life. Let the Word of God reveal truth. Come on. As the music plays, you come. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't have it settled today. You can settle it. We've got His Word on it. Right here it is, called the Bible. Won't you let God speak to you? This is your opportunity to trust Christ, to receive Him as Savior and Lord. Your opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to your heart. Let us not be fooled into believing somehow that that finances are going to bring true happiness.